Shepherds of Men is a secular movement started by three men of faith. We wholeheartedly believe that when we get the men right, we get the world right. We believe this because we believe that men are created and called to be leaders, and we believe there is an alarming deficit of leadership in our world today. And although the three of us have come from drastically different backgrounds, our core principles have given us a unified voice that is needed now more than ever to pave the way for a fundamental change in our culture. We are quite literally calling men to something great. Welcome to the movement. What's up, world? This is Cam coming at you here with my boy JP and our special guest, Travis Ritchie. Not Ricky, right? Not Ricky. Not Ricky. (laughs) Somebody was asking earlier. I'm like, I don't think that even makes sense. Phonetically, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I don't even I don't even get that. Ricky sounds a heck of a lot better. And, you know, you could go a lot of different ways with that, too. So um, pumped to be here with you guys. Thanks for joining us. You can tell that the uh, atmosphere is a little different from the last number of episodes. We've got a quote unquote new studio studios. Um, We've got some great things coming down the pipe. We've been focusing a lot of our time on our Men Reforge program. Uh, this will be releasing soon. So as of the time of this uh, recording, we're about three weeks out from our first high carbon experience, which is going to be honestly game changing type of event uh, for the dudes that are there. We're going to have about 20 dudes in a very uh, tight environment where we're going to break them down, build them back up and really uh, dig into the six active ethos of what it means to be an influential man, which is association, confidence, tenacity, integrity, vision and etiquette. So if you want to know more about that, hit us up, DM us, email us uh, at shepherdsmen, shepherdsmentn at gmail.com and all those different ways you can find us. If you have our cell phone number, that's just kind of weird, but you're welcome to use it. Um, But uh, we're pumped about that. So that being said, the reason everything looks different, we're going to be pushing out more podcasts more often, more regularly with lots of guests. We've got, uh, we're about booked out for like a month and a half on guests right now. Uh, and we're excited about that for a lot of reasons because, and, and Travis, I'll, I'll uh, address you here. We we kind of look at these uh, podcasts twofold. One, it adds a lot of value to our audience. They get a lot of good information from people besides just hearing us talk all the time. Number two, we, we get a free hour with whoever we have on. So uh, we, we look at it as like free uh, mentorship and learning from folks that we uh, are, are definitely, you know, admire what you're doing. We can learn from, I mean, you can learn from anybody, but You've obviously accomplished a lot, and, and we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, th- that all being said, uh, I do want to welcome, unless JP has something else to mention, I do want to welcome uh, Mr. Travis Ritchie with Convicted Mindset and Accomplished Ventures. Is that what it is? That is. Yes, sir. Accomplished Ventures. Awesome. Thanks for being with us today, man. No, man. I'm grateful to be here. Hopefully, we can inspire some hearts out there and change some lives. That's the goal, man. That's the goal. So, we connected through, um, I think Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Correct. And, uh, and I'm not sure, and I'm terrible with this stuff. I'm not sure if we had a mutual connection with somebody or if we just kind of, I probably found you and hunted you down or something. Um, but I was really intrigued by what you are doing personally. And then what you're doing with your partner, Sean, um, in the prison system. And, and I'll let you, I won't steal your thunder on that, but, yeah. uh, you and I jumped on a call for a few minutes, last week or so. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're like this too. And JP's this way. It takes me a couple of minutes to sit down with somebody and talk and just to really kind of see the light in their eyes, to hear the tone in their voice, watch their body language, and just be able to tell if they're really about something or if they're just bullshitting. Yeah. And, and for you, there's no doubt, honestly, I mean, within a couple of minutes, I was, I was hooked on the conversation and excited about having you on here. Because I think number one, there ain't a whole lot of people doing what you're doing. Um, number two, you obviously understand the importance of just in alignment with our mission, which is we believe when we get the men right, we get the world right. Yeah. Um, now you're working with men and women, from my understanding, um, but certainly you're understanding the importance of bringing people into a position of leadership within their own lives. So. Um, I guess, tell us a little bit about that. Like let, for the people that might not know you, um, maybe they've just been sm- following our small following, haven't been on your big platform yet. Um, let them know who you are and, and what you guys are doing with your organization. Yeah, happy to be here. You, you you nailed it. I think when we get the men right, we get the world right. I think that so many of 
the problems, the plague, the issues, the drama, whatever you want to call it in today's world, aside from just turning off that 75 inch thing that hangs over all of our fireplaces, um, which would solve a lot of problems, Hell yeah. but <laughs> ain't that the truth, but the conversations around the dinner tables of America just are not happening. Most of the men are weak. And I say that not from a derogatory perspective. I say that from a leadership perspective because most men don't really want to have a conversation around finance because they're not comfortable with their own debt. Most men don't want to talk to their children about physical activity because they don't want to take their shirt off at the pool. And so as a dad, you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror and profess to be something that you aren't yourself, that you don't believe that you are. And so why would you have this dialogue with your children or with your spouse when you don't really authentically believe who you are. And so when I start to look at and reframe that conversation, that it, it dovetails exactly into what Accomplished and myself have done for the last decade. And to put it very, very succinctly for everybody that's listening, that we're grateful for, for the last decade, my mission has been to reduce recidivism. I go into the prison system and I, I help the currently incarcerated citizens around America realize their purpose. We give them a plan so that they can live with greatness. That's really it. And so when I look at that 10 years of work, I can promise you so many of my friends that are on that side of the wall or on that side of the fence incarcerated, they live a more meaningful and purposeful life than so many of my friends that are out here in society. And I can tell you the reason why they do is one word, and that's identity. The identity across America in the men has been shattered. It's almost lost, in my opinion. Masculinity is a four-letter word. Provider is a negative thing, right? And so we have this ideology surrounded us that we're not allowed to be hunter-gatherers anymore. We're not allowed to be alpha males. We're not allowed to be protectors. But the reality of the situation is when you understand that your identity holds the keys to your greatness, you start to live differently. You start to look at yourself differently. You start to act differently. And so it becomes your obligation to realize your identity because it, it is up to us to change the world as men. 100%. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to throw this in here. Yeah, because and I'm I'm going live on some feedback and this could totally bomb in my face and I'm OK with it. But I was having this conversation with a gentleman um, who's actually an uh, investigator with the local police department here. He's introduced to us through a friend of mine and just he's a great dude, former Marine. Like we just sat down and had lunch. This guy mm -hmm. said, you guys need to meet You're you know, you're wired the same. You should talk. And um, great conversation. He's actually developing some leadership training within the police department because, you know, he's on that side of it and he's going. Uh, there's just no leadership development. It's really just kind of, you know, do your time and see, you know, see if you rise to the top of the Pez dispenser till you get spit out, yep. you know? And um, we were talking about this concept you were just referring to as far as recognizing your identity and really honing that in and understanding that that's when you have done that or when in the process of doing that is when you're realizing your true power and influence. Yeah. So I had this thought the other day and I said, dude, I've known this guy for 15 minutes when I asked him this. I'm like, I'm going to throw this out to you because I'm a believer. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I, if you're not, that's great. I don't judge you. Oh, I am. I am. But, uh, I'm proud to hear that you are. And I haven't said that to anybody. Like if you are, you are. If you're not, you're not. I still love you. It's great. No, um, and I am. me and JP are those people that are like, we love Jesus, but we cuss a lot. So it's, we're kind of like new age Christians. Um, <laughs> tagline Christian uh, don't mean soft. Christian don't mean so well we had that conversation too like I like the table flipping Jesus personally um, but I, so I had this you, you just made me think about it I I've been on this kick of really focusing on myself so we had Keith Yaki on uh, yeah. recently uh, and he's such a fantastic uh, dude yeah. um, and and some things some of the conversation we had with him led to really just focusing on the only thing you control. And we always talk about you control your actions and your attitude. But I, I know for years for me, I've been married almost nine years now. I've got three boys and I've spent a lot of time trying to make 
make sure this is right with them and this is right with her. And this is, you know, and in my businesses, those, you know, this is really all I can control is myself. Like if I just keep working on myself, then I can lead those other things properly to, to the proper conclusions of wherever they need to go, uh, whether it be family or business or whatever. So as I was thinking through that, and I'm getting to a point here uh, is if I really do hone in on myself through, through biblical study for me personally, through, uh, personal development, through meditation, through prayer, through physical activity, you know, get my body right, you know, uh, being a, for me, 185 pounds of tiger meat wrapped in barbed wire, as, as Yaki would say, you know, if I can do those things, it's one of my favorites, man, I love that. <laughs> um, if I can do those things, and I believe personally that I was created in the image of God, then as I get closer to the center of who I am, that I'm getting closer to my creator. Yes. Right. So, does it make sense then that I would be more attractive to some and less attractive to others? Yes. Because some are repelled by greatness, I guess. 1,000%. 1,000%. Yes. Cool. I got one vote. Yes. I'm in. <laughs> I, no, I just I, had to share that thought out loud because it's been, it's been rolling around in my noggin for a week. Yeah, man. I think, it, I, I think there's so much to unpack there, right? Like uh, Keith's story is incredible. I think he's a, he's an amazing human and, and I support everything that he's doing because so much, so much of the conversation that needs to happen between man and woman, you know, husband and wife, significant others, you know, that's also put on the back burner. Women need to fill their cup up. Women need to feel love. Women need to have passion. And oftentimes we just feel that because we've been married 15 years that we're deserving. And so, it, you know, he, he continues to remind us how to keep that spark, how to keep that light and, and how to, how to really, really engage with your significant other. And, and I love that. And so part of where, where him and I agree entirely is, you know, you go back to that purpose statement, you go back to that identity. When you really jump out of bed every day, realizing that you're a miracle, you're a 400 trillion to one chance of being born today, in America, a white male to your parents in your city with your DNA. And so why in the world do we all run around using the F word? And I know many of you are thinking about the F word in your head, but I guarantee it's not the same F word that I'm going to spit out. When you waste your greatness and you ignore your identity, you walk around being fine. Ooh, that's a lot worse. That, that, that word is a that lot is way worse. worse than fuck, man. Yeah. Way worse. Ooh. Way worse. Hey, how are you doing today? Fine. How's the kids? Fine. You know what? Fine is 40 pounds overweight and not having sex with your wife four times a week because you're fine. Fine is working 50 hours a week and still being 20% over your revenue on expenses. That's fine. And when you look around, you only get 78 of these birthdays. Typically, as white men in North America, we got 78 go rounds. And how many of those have we wasted? talking about that F word, using that F word in our vocabulary and allowing it to be normal in conversation. The two words that you go to the grave with every single time, doesn't matter who you talk to, black, white, male, female, young, old, they all revolve around time and regret. You cannot continue to live a life that's fine in, in understanding your identity. You should jump out of bed in the morning and not hit the snooze button on life. And this is for all the people listening that have an idea that they want to pursue, have a significant other that they want to ask out on a date. They really want to try the cold plunge, but they're scared to death of it. They know they should wake up at 530 and hit a gym workout or just go walk or meditate or get their shit right before their day starts. All of the things that you put off today so that you can be fine tomorrow. That's the reason that I get fired up on these podcasts. When I go behind prison walls and I will introduce you to people who will give their organs for your fine, it drives me nuts that you can't figure your crap out. And we're done. <laughs> that's, that's the damn, that's the damn truth too. Uh, you said something about identity. Um, you know, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with that more. I believe that, you know, your identity is, is really kind of, uh, you know, fostered by your, your confidence, your ability to keep your word to yourself, um, and then understanding what you believe, you know, one of the, one of the struggles that I've had personally 
is, um, you know, meditating and spending time where my conscious mind is literally writing my subconscious mind, um, and spending time there to actually, and I have beliefs, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to be around mentorship that it really showed me where the hierarchy needs to be in my decision-making as far as God country family business. Um, and Cam was actually one of those that, that helped me align, um, some of that stuff, but, um, you know, and I, I know that, uh, character ethics, um, you know, what, what you are, what makes you, um, has a lot to do with developing your identity, but I would imagine that you've seen some men going into that prison system that have lost their identity. Maybe they had one and then they lost it. Uh, do you see that quite often? Is that, do you, or, or have you figured out why men tend to lose their identity? Every single time I'm inside, you're right. Every single time I'm inside and and the loss of the identity so so i'll I'll speak on a bigger picture here i'll go off on a tangent when when our curriculum is focused on a purpose so often when these individuals they get incarcerated they go down for a for a term burglary theft car theft carjacking whatever it might be and so while they're sitting in that cell in that six by eight or that ten by fourteen they have conditions that they need to, to to fulfill based on that charge, right? Well, if Johnny is incarcerated because he has six car thefts on his record, Johnny is not a car enthusiast. He's not at Barrett Jackson trying to flip cars. Johnny is a drug addict. And so you start to condition this man because now he has DMV fines. Now he has driver's license restrictions. Johnny couldn't care less about a driver's license restriction. He was trying to strip the copper off the car so he could go get meth. That to me is, is, is like a microcosm, like an example of how we view our society. And so we're never treating the root cause of the problems. Johnny went in because at 11, he was molested by an uncle. And at 13, he coped with drugs. And at 15, he didn't know how to deal with the other kids in the neighborhood because he was so freaking angry because nobody wanted to address his issues. And so at 17, he got heavily medicated. And at 18, he brought a gun into a liquor store. And now he's incarcerated. Nine years later, I stumble across Johnny, the car thief, and he's got $2,600 in DMV fines when he really just wants to figure out why his dad didn't stick up for him when his brother raped him. That's the real conversation to have because your father was a loser. And those are hard words to say to Johnny as you're sitting across from him. But when he's at that rock bottom and he can't figure out his identity, it gives me the opportunity to to show him his purpose. And so what I like to do, I I always attribute like my deep times, my dark times to to treading in dark water in the ocean. It's exhausting. It's dark. It's scary, it's nerve wracking, but you know that if you don't tread those deep waters that you die. And because I've treaded those deep waters, I'm grateful to be able to go and navigate those deep waters with other men and bring them to shore. I know what it feels like to have the pain and the trauma. I know what the abuse feels like as a child. And so oftentimes abuse manifests itself at the age of 35 when you make some poor decisions and medicate yourself with alcohol and gambling. So the identity has been lost so long ago. And so to your question, our curriculum, while when I first started a decade ago, was so rooted in like the tenets of life. I had a business course, still do, but I wanted to make sure they understood the difference between an LLC and an EIN and an S Corp. And I was so focused on giving them real tangible stuff. Where we're at now is, I know that if I can develop this man's purpose and attach it to his identity so much so that it's as important for him to breathe as it is for him to live up to his words to himself, he will never go back to prison because he will never stop breathing. That's a real curriculum. That's a real life changer for these guys. Dude, uh, you give me goosebumps just talking about this because it, it is so much what is ingrained in us what we believe 
and the, like all the issues that we see, you know, you hit on a lot of it. Like, the, the, you know, Johnny's not a car thief. He's he's trying to get money for drugs. Yeah. And and if you, you know, uh, break that down backwards, whatever you call that. Um, I'm sorry, I'm so fired reverse up. Reverse engineer it. Talking about reverse, yeah, reverse yeah. engineer it, dude. I, yeah. I really am. Like I'm like this is it's just hitting home and like you know you're picturing people you know and yeah all this kind of stuff and you just and you just realize like if dad had just been yeah man if dad had just been a man none of this would have happened none of it like and that's that's what we're passionate about is like let, let's get to the root of it like let's yeah. let's get to where it all begins and we need freaking fathers to stand up and do what's right even when it's not comfortable we need people we need dudes to have backbones we you know we were at, the, at my lunch meeting i was telling him about today we were having this conversation about you know by design we are leaders men are leaders at creation that's what we're designed to be yeah. you know and, and you know feminists and other people get wrapped around the axle about this stuff it doesn't mean we're better than the other role it just means that's the role that we're supposed to play we have Correct. to play it we don't have a choice and we me and jp talk about this all the time if you're a dude you're a leader whether you like it or not yeah. so you might as well step into those shoes and fill that role the best you can because it's not just your skin in the game it's your family it's your wife it's your kids it's your community like these people are counting on you and that's you know may sound like a lot of pressure or whatever but i mean what feels worse the pressure of stepping up to be a leader or the feeling of hearing that story about your kid 20 years later i mean I and and to your point exactly i had a conversation this morning uh, literally in prison this morning with a group and i said look when you get out all of life is going to come at you. You're going to have to have the gas bill and the light bill and all these obligations. But let me let me just rewind and let you know, it is uncomfortable to be rich and it's uncomfortable to be poor. And it's uncomfortable to be in shape and it's uncomfortable to be obese, right? So you just have to pick your uncomfortability. Staying back here in this prison cell, coming back here is uncomfortable. But so is going out there and figuring out what life looks like at 40, 50, 60 hours a week and proving yourself worth. Because the only thing that matters is every damn day when you brush your teeth, that you stare at the guy that you really want to be. Because until you really start that inner dialogue, until you're really telling everybody what you really feel inside, who you really want to become, and then your actions are manifesting it, you're going to go to bed every night thinking that you're a facade, that you're a fraud. We all have this imposter syndrome, right? And so you have to actually step up and everything that comes out of your mouth has to be the truth. Every action that you take has to be inherently rooted in your identity. And so when people meet you, they might say, oh, you know, JP's a jerk, but you know exactly where he stands. And I'm okay That's the it. type of guys that I want to create. The guys that are oh. uncomfortable saying, you know what, this doesn't make me feel right. I don't want to be a part of this. And I'm not saying it because I'm a weak, I'm not sissy, I'm not none of that nonsense. I'll go toe to toe all day long. But I'm telling you, this doesn't fit my value system. And I can't be a part of it. Yeah. And I think we saw a lot of that, JP, not to interrupt you, but, and I don't want to get off on the political tangent necessarily, unless we just feel like it. <laughs> um, but I think in the last couple of years, we saw a lot of that yeah. where it was just like this nauseating weakness of men, men just going, I, you know, I'm just going to comply because I, I don't, I, I guess just because I'm a pussy, I don't know. But like for me and my family, we're like, no, it's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with our values. It's not right. We're not doing it, you know? A thousand percent. Yeah. Well, they're not even trying to hide it. That that's, that's, that's the aggravating part about it is they're not even trying to hide it. So not only are you a sheep, but they're calling you a sheep to your face. Like it's one thing to be naive or ignorant to it, but whenever you know that they're manipulating you or they're doing whatever shady shit that they do and you're okay with it, like that's to me, that, that is, that is a big, big gap for men. Like, if you can't stand up in those situations and be like, nope, fuck that. Like, we're, I'm not, I'm not going, I don't care if every, if I'm the only person that goes that way, I know my beliefs, I know my internal core principles and, and they don't align with that shit. I'm going that way. I don't, I don't care. Um, I, I want to take it back real quick before we get away from this. Because uh, mm -hmm. Travis, like, so, and, and you work within the prison system, obviously, but there's a lot of people, a lot of men outside of the prison system don't know, don't know who the hell they are. 
Um, they have no <laughs> idea what their identity is. They, they don't know right. where they stand. They kind of, you know, and that's the thing. We talk about uh, character ethics and personality ethics, which are both important, but character ethics are critical. Uh, you know, yeah, personality yeah. ethics are like how you're able to get along with people. How can you network with people? Like, how do you make people like you or whatever it may be? Your, your core ethics or your character ethics are more like, this is what I stand on. I don't give a shit if you like me or not. This is what I stand on, uh, which I think is where your identity is really created, right? W- within yeah. within that area. Uh, so, so, but a lot of guys don't know. And what I'm kind of curious in is like, what what kind of exercises do you do? Uh, because I would imagine the guys that, that you talk to are probably even more guarded uh, yeah. than, than the, the clients that Cam and I work with a lot and stuff like that. How do you get to that route? Like, how do you how do you dig or or create exercises or whatever it may be that you do when you're sitting across from that guy that may have committed murder or whatever he did to get him to go? Shit, it was my dad. Like, yeah. How, what what do you do? What's the process there? Yeah, man. And to your point, before I dive in, almost everything that like trauma induced, you know, negative decisions, poor choices, bro. Eight out of ten of them come back to the male influence or, or male male influence in some capacity in these guys' lives, right? I mean, you can, you can almost pinpoint it every single time. So to your point, what, what we do, I start with what I call vision creation. So many of these guys that are behind, you know, that are the walls that are broken. Uh, when I sit down with them, I start with a vision creation. What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? And so it's not good enough for you to tell me that you want to get a job. I don't accept that. I want to know what the job looks like. I want to know, is it morning, midday, or, or night shift? I want to know what city that job's located in. I want to know why that job is important for you to get in that time frame in that city. I want to I reverse engineer this entire vision creation for them. And so most of the guys that are re-entering society have a couple barriers to entry. First and foremost, it's going to be their lack of self-confidence. When, when you get out, you, you, if you've been in for many number of days, months, weeks, years, it's hard for you to have normal day dialogue, you know, because most people go, hey, like, where have you been? And so a lot of guys will get hung up on their own false narratives. And they, they find themselves going back to this victimization where they say, oh, man, you remember Johnny? Oh, man, I was in the car with him. And then he made some stupid choices. And then the DA, man, she had it out for me. And then the judge was, oh, gee. Bro, that doesn't, that doesn't serve anybody. And so I start with a narrative for them. And it's literally this simple. And it goes like this, Cam, JP, my name is Travis. And for the last 36 months, I've been incarcerated. And in those 36 months, I learned three things about myself, A, B, and C. And the reason that I'm standing in front of you today is because your job opportunity that I came across spoke directly to those three things that I learned about myself while incarcerated. Now, I'd like to tell you how I can bring value to your organization by the things I learned about myself, but I don't want to waste another 36 minutes of my time or yours. Can we proceed? That's it. That's it. And when you start, and I would tell you nine out of 10 employers, unless you've done, again, like we talked, unless you've done some weird shit to women or children, nine out of 10 employers go, do you have three friends who talk the same way you do? Right, right, right. Yeah. Like the other 10 guys that just came in here that have never seen a prison aren't as convicted as you. Correct. Correct. And so when you start to control that narrative, and this is what I tell the guys when we start with vision creation, I want to see my kids. Okay. Through a glass on FaceTime daily at 4 PM, nightly at 7 PM for bedtime, right? Like what is it? So many of us back to my favorite F word of all time. So many of us are fine, right? We're fine that the kids finally got to sleep. I've got four children. I've been married 15 years to the most incredible human on the planet. She's amazing. Every single bedtime, if you've got four kids, we have four under the age of 10. Bedtime is a struggle, fellas. You got four? I do. Mine are are 13 to 10 months though. Oh, my my youngest just turned one today. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Right on. Hey, you <laughs> so know you what know, causes right? that, right? The one-year-old? Yeah, about <laughs> four <that>. kids. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And if you've ever seen my Instagram, you know why. <laughs> oh, man, if I outkicked my coverage on that one. Oh, whew. I hear you. <laughs> feel you. 
I tell her all the time, all like, those. you know, everything about you is perfect, except for your ability to really pick, you know, yeah. a life mate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure your judgment's that great. <laughs> right. Like, oh, did I catch you on an off day? You know, you know what? No more questions. Let's just go with it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't, I don't want you to think about it anymore. Right. But I feel like that's where so much, so many of us get stuck, right? Like, we're just, oh, finally the kids got to bed. Oh, let's just turn on the tube and just kind of check out, you know? And so for me, I'm like, no, like, what is the vision creation? My dad, my dad was present in my life up until about eighth grade, ninth grade. My father is a notorious organized crime individual, was up and down the river several times and finally went away for a triple murder charge. And we lived a very tumultuous life growing up. And because of that, I knew my superpower was going to be time. I had to make sure that I could take the kids to school. I had to make sure that I could pick them up from school, that I could, I could volunteer at their class, that I could drop in at 8 p.m., that I tucked them in at bed. And the reason I did that was because I didn't have a role model as a father. So I had to, I had to be the blueprint. I had to create that. And so I said, I'm intelligent enough to do this as so long as I have enough time. Right. And so that's where I go with these guys to, to your question. How do how do we really form an identity with them? I go with vision creation. So the barriers to entry um, back on my tangent. I apologize to everybody who's dizzy right now, like a squirrel <laughs> on cocaine. It's good. Um, right. And so the, the barrier to entry is going to be self-confidence. Number one. Number two, you're going to have some family issues. If you have a significant other that waited for you, you're going to want to make sure that you have open dialogue with that person. So I address it in the beginning. Hey, check it out, bro. You haven't been with a woman for 24 months, 36 months, 84 months. She lives differently than you do. Her expectations are differently than you do. So the dialogue you need to have with your wife or your girlfriend right now needs to be like this. What do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? What do I need from you? What do you need from me? This dialogue, nobody teaches this. This is where a guy like Keith is just crushing it. And I love him for it because he's really telling you, what do I say that nobody's telling me to say? And again, back to the fatherhood example. I never had a father that said to me, hey, here's how you treat your significant other when they're having a bad day. Here's how you treat them when you're having a good day. And so for me, I have set those tenets up in my life to make sure that I'm successful with as much time as possible. So if I was giving anybody advice on this, who, who's listening to this, it would be to start your life, start your, your, your vision board and reverse engineer every single facet of what it is that makes you tick. What does it feel like? What does it look like? And I don't want any of this bull crap answer about, I want more time. I want more money. No, you don't. You want what money represents to you. You want what time represents to you. If I gave you more money and I set it on your desk, it's not going to bring you closer to your family or your children or your wife. It's not going to make you lose that 40 pounds of belly fat. It's not going to keep you warm at night. Money doesn't give you anything other than what it represents to you. So stop giving me these ambiguous answers. And this goes back to the, the, this fostering of men where we really are, need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and saying things that we want to say. I got to be honest with you, Travis, like when we had you coming on the show, uh, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts you've done with other, other folks. Um, and this conversation is totally different and honestly far, far more intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate it because th there's more that's coming out of this other than the, the, the niche or niche, however, depending I'm from Mississippi. So we say niche, <laughs> niche, um, niche, <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh yeah i just i love the fact that it's so it just it doesn't really matter that um it doesn't have to be specific to the prison system or to convicted felons it's no, really the same shit it's the same shit in just a different environment now there's obviously different approach to and different circumstances maybe around some of those people but i heard on one of the podcasts you were on recently we're all felons we just not all got caught yeah. um and i thought that was pretty you know i was like you know it's probably right you know because some people are convicted felons that have done things that maybe we've done and yeah we just Especially didn't get caught or we didn't know it was a felony 
especially if you're Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, you're, you're, you're totally right about it. And I, and I feel that, so I look at it like this, you know, I had, <laughs> it's so interesting, right? There's so many different ways to take that, but where, where my purpose is, my mission in life is to uh, philosophically, right? Go back to your idea about biblical scriptural. You look at two examples that come to my mind. Number one, I've always had this analogy of myself in my head, like a frac- a fragment of a, a piece of mirror or a piece of glass. And I wanted to be able to take that glass and shine light against it and make sure that I brought light into the dark places in the world. That's how I feel about my mission. I want to make sure that when I walk onto a prison yard, that it's a calm environment, but it's an excited environment because they're so pumped up that I'm there for the next two hours that I'm just going to try to change 400 lives. And so that's really how I view myself. How do I take some of the dark crevices that exist in today's world? Sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional. And how do I become that light? Well, the only way to do that is to be the sun or to have the sun near you. And you could use that metaphorically. You could use that literally, right? You guys know where I'm going with this. And so for me, when you start out at the beginning of the Bible and you look at a story that's in in the top of my head right now, because we're studying it, you look at Joseph in Egypt and you look at all of that. This man was, you know, hated by his brothers, wanted to be killed by his brothers, thrown in a pit, thrown into prison. And all along, this man prayed for redemption, prayed for this to stop. But when you get all all the way to the end of his life, 20 some years later, when his brothers come back around to him, you know what he says? If, if my prayers would have been answered at that moment, I would have never been able to do all of this. And that to me is the dark waters that we're supposed to wade through. When we subscribe to be men in, in heaven before we got here, we agreed that we were going to go through some deep, dark stuff. And it is our obligation to realize that the deep and the dark and the uncomfortable is where we grow. Because in the deep and the dark, that's where the roots of the greatest trees in the world are formed. And if you don't allow yourself to be tested, you don't allow yourself to be pushed, you don't allow yourself to be put out of your comfort zone, then you don't have any foundation. And so when the adversity comes at the age of 40 and you have a six-figure job, you don't know how to deal with it because you go home stressed out. And you kick the dog and you yell at the kids and you don't bang your wife properly and your life sucks even when it should be beautiful but you caused that and that's the conversation that we need to have and i don't want anyone who's listening to this and can't see my 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 eyes to feel that i'm pointing a finger i honestly feel that you're destined for greatness i really really do and everything that you want is inside of you and like a lot of us, almost everybody who's listening to this has pondered, wondered, thought about, written down, like, what's my life purpose? What am I supposed to do here? Sometimes when we're younger, we go to a high school counselor. Well, in my opinion, that's the terrible idea because the high school counselor failed. They only got to a certain point in life. They barely got there. They're not in shape. They're not making any money. That's not my idea. You know, when I was on Wall Street and we were managing millions of dollars, our old adage was, hey, why would I take advice from a guy who's broke? Yeah. Like, if you want to begin something like a business, there's a zillion resources available online. You can go to YouTube. They'll walk you through it. They'll give you advice. I'm sure there's a group you can join. I'm sure that you can pay a course, a mentor. You can work at your own pace. It's not the resources that are stopping any of you that are listening to this. It's your identity. It's that clarity that allows the doors to open and the impact to happen. You go on Amazon, there's 151,000 books with a similar title about finding your purpose or finding yourself or having a Zen moment and figuring out why you're here. And while we can all agree that you have to examine your life because a life unexamined is not one worth living, we've heard that quote, but we can also agree that the books, while they're great and the podcast, while they're fun, all of the anecdotes are similar to the high school counselor. That person is not living your life, does not have your emotions, doesn't understand your trauma, and most importantly, is not the 400 to trillion to one miracle that you are. So while the Google search is great 
and the podcasts are dope and the motivational quotes on your mirror are great. Don't forget that the research is inside your soul to find the purpose to your story. So just to, just to touch on that, cause that's, that's good shit right there. Um, and, and I hope that everybody's listening closely to that. Um, I was actually having a conversation with a client about something that I'd, I'd heard that, you know, was trying to help them with their identity, essentially, uh, we were somewhat talking about confidence and things of that nature, but, um, that, you know, the conversation went into like, when you start to understand that your identity is essentially just like a thermostat in a house, that Ooh. that's, that's where you're going to, that's where you're going to level out wherever your identity is. And that works in both directions, right? So if your identity is at a hundred, and shit's going bad and it drops you down to 95 or 90 or whatever, you'll naturally bring yourself back up to 100. But the same shit is true for when things are on fire, like things are going right, things are good, everything's like really smoking, you're starting to get some momentum and then you look at it and go, uh-uh, I'm actually supposed to be down here at 100 and you will bring yourself back down. You will justify the reason why you are not worthy for the growth or the momentum or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I love, I love what you, you know, your, your focus on identity and stuff is, is, is key. Uh, I, and that's, and that's really, that's really big. And it's crazy. It's just, just having that conversation with a client of ours, uh, about three days ago. Uh, so uh, wow. that's, that's good stuff, man. I got something I want to ask you, Travis, about that. Um, cause you were talking about, uh, finding your identity and being intentional about it and like the dark places that we go through. And, you know, the story of Joseph, like, if I didn't go through these things, this wouldn't have happened. And JP says it all the time. It's like, when, you know, when you pray for patience, God doesn't just go poof, here's patience. He puts you in situations that allow you to develop patience, you know? So what are some things, like, if I'm the, the, the dude that's sitting in my car right now waiting to go into work because I hate my life and I don't want to go in there and I'm fine, what's, what do you say to them about but, but, you know, and my vision of this is fine is like, there's really no rub. Like it's not a dark place, but it's not a light place. It's just fine. So if, if I'm in that fine rut, how do I go? Okay. Well, if I really want to excel, I got to get dark first. Can you talk about what that looks like? And I'm, I, I've kind of got an idea in my mind of where I think this is going, but I'd love to hear your perspective on how do you get intentional about maybe going through some shit so you can get better. Man, so good. That's such a good question. Uh, I think, I think for me, you know, I, I tell people to stop chasing rabbits. You know, when you, you go to like a racetrack, you see the dogs that chase the rabbits and they never get the rabbit. And it's very much, that's the, that's the product of society that we live in. You know, it's like based on the nine seconds of video that's uploaded on every social media platform in the world, we feel that you don't have dirty dishes and you know, your, your wife is always in hair and makeup and like a, a, an adorable nightie that matches you know, but, but all of that's a facade. And so I think when you go to the deep, dark places, you realize that what you're doing on a daily basis, you have been a facade or a form of a facade. And so I tell people, if you really, really, really want to understand where you want to be in life, you should start serving other people. So I think it serves two purposes. Number one, a lot of people will hit me with words, buzzwords on this side of the fence in society, as I call it, this beautiful place, most people go, ah, you know, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm anxious, right? We have all these buzzwords, which uh, magically have pills associated to this buzzword and, you know, they cure you. It's, it's, it's uncanny, it's adorable. Um, but it's never like vitamin D or exercise. Yeah, right, yeah. Never yeah. vitamins, it's always medicine. No, no. My favorite is, I always tell people, sweat, sweat causes sanity. Um, nice. <laughs> like, yeah right, i mean that's where my head was at when i was asking the question yeah bro like to really 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 dive in and to understand who you are bro those places most people don't want to get to and, and it's interesting I, I i had a gentleman ask me and you may have heard it but i had a asked me like how do you how do you get up in the morning i'm not a guy that needs a motivational quote you know my wife doesn't write little lipstick you know on my mirror to make sure i'm fired up i don't even drink coffee if you can imagine that I haven't had caffeine in like two decades. Like I don't need somebody to fire me up. I'm just not that guy. And so if you need that constant, then that just tells me that you're living a life of acronyms. People go, I'm burnt out. I go, well, that's bullshit. You're not a candle. Let me tell you what you are. You're uninspired. You're not burnt out. And so the good news is 
the good news, everybody, here's happy Travis. He's back. Don't worry. I'm here. The good news is like the words like anxiety and depression and, and they're habits. They're habits. And so you, you take procrastinating, for example, the guy that's sitting in his car that doesn't want to go into work. Procrastinating is a form of stress relief. If you really think about it, it has nothing to do with the task or the item at hand, but we're stressed so frequently and we manifest it so often in like work and family that we procrastinate. That's what we do. But then we justify that in our minds. And so while we're on the topic of stress, stress comes entirely from the mental picture that you've drawn up in your mind as to how life should look. And when that doesn't match your actual picture, it causes you a little bit of stress. Oh, I should be thinner. I should be richer. I should be happier. I should be married. I should be pregnant. I should be retired, whatever it might be. And so then because it doesn't match your picture, the picture in your mind doesn't match your reality. Now you use a buzzword. So you see these habits that you're doing on a daily basis, showing up to work late, not making love to your wife for 48 minutes and being exhausted. Sweat does create sanity. Like all of those things are habits that you have created in your mind to live a life of fine. Yeah, I've had some of the most genuine conversations with myself when I'm dying, when I'm, I'm running or, or doing a, a CrossFit workout where I, I'm, I'm close to blacking out and stuff. I've had some of the most, like it just removes all the distractions and just puts yeah. you firmly where you are. Um, you're not yeah. thinking about all the other bullshit. I can't remember the last time that I thought I was going to die and I was worried about what color my shirt was, uh, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Like it's, it, it just doesn't happen. And, and that's, that's where purity, I, and I'm, I'm big. I, I love the fitness where I believe that the fitness world can really, and, and a lot of people think it's just physical, but there's a lot of mental in it that you can gain from it. Um, I'd know. argue it's mostly mental, honestly. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I think obviously there's the, it's physical it's huge, but to, for me, like, yes, there's a lot of physical benefits, like just for pure health and, and, you know, physical, uh, the way, you know, the way you look or whatever, but just the, uh, the mental side of it for me in those moments that you're talking about when you're about to die, like you, you have to, you're no longer counting on your body. You're counting on your mind at that point. Yeah. So you've like stretched the rubber band of your mind to, to a larger capacity. Um, so yeah, sorry, to cut you off JP, but I, I get it, dude. Like that's exactly that's exactly it. What I, what I'm thinking about. So JP and I started 75 hard, what, 20 days ago, 19, 20 days ago. Nice. Um, and honestly, we, uh, we've heard about the program forever and, and always yep. thought it was cool or whatever, but, uh, I think Yaki was a big influence on us uh, yeah. when we had him on the podcast that kind of, we were essentially separately thinking about it on the same day. And I was sitting there thinking like, you know what, I just need to do this. And then JP texts me, he says, I'm starting 75 hard tomorrow. I was like, well, hell, I guess I am too. I love that. So, but, but you start to understand that like you can be really intentional about getting uncomfortable, which we've done anyways, but like, it's just another level of another level of discomfort, which is so um, contrary to society. You know, <laughs> we have so many, I have a buddy of mine that's uh, a neighbor, Phil, and, and one of his biggest things is like, we live such a comfortable life. Yeah. He's like, everything is so comfortable. Like it's, it's just stupid. Like if you stepped out of our world into a third world country or something, you'd just oh. be like, we are so pampered. And, you know, and so he said, the reason he does what he does from a physical standpoint, he does some crazy shit physically. He's like, I do it because I have to continue to get super uncomfortable or I'm going to be, I'm just not going to live up to my potential, you know? And he's in his forties and he's still looking to live up to his potential because he, he knows that if you just go guide, through life or whatever, and just flow through life. It's so easy to just exist. You know, it's disgusting. Oh God. So true. But don't you find, I don't know about you guys, you're, you're 20 days in. Do you guys find that you crave the uncomfortability now? Oh yeah. It's psycho, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's crazy. So I don't know about you guys. So many moons ago, I had one of the very first, uh, like, uh, biohacking facilities in Los Angeles. And so we, you know, we had the full body cryotherapy and, you know, infrared sauna, you know, this is, this is 2017. And I don't know about you guys, but now like the cold plunge for me is similar to like my wife just, just laughs at me on a daily basis. I want to find out how like kind of sick I am, how long I could stay in that yeah. thing. Right. And I don't know about you guys, but I crave it. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. I crave. And so I don't know about you guys, as you start to progress in life and business and, you know, family and everything, I start to look 
when I am comfortable, like I have a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have felt that way internally. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, I get anxious. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I get comfortable. I get anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm all, I'm more comfortable now in this life right now talking to people. And when you walk up to them and they go, Hey, like, you know, the typical questions that, you know, the, the daddy daughter dance, or, you know, all, all the stuff that we go to as dads, you know, what do you do for a what do you do for work? What do you do for a living? You know, and I go, oh, well, you know, I help about 400,000 people change their perception of themselves through their identity. What the heck just happened? <laughs> yeah, me too, bro. You know, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm a franchisor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it is, it's interesting, but to your point, like the mental aspect of life is everything. Like, I, I like to tell people to stand guard at like the door of their mind, because the only problem that you have right now is thinking that you shouldn't have one. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, that troubles are going to show up. If you want to live a life of greatness, which we do, the three of us right now want to live a life of greatness, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, we want to live a life of greatness. And so when troubles show up, because they will, you have to shift that perspective away from what's happening. And you have to like force yourself to understand that what this is, is causing you to become the best version of yourself. The troubles are allowing you to level up. Have so. to, they have to. Well, that's, I, I have a, I have a quote on the front of my, my notebook that I, I take all my notes in when I'm reading and stuff like that, being intentional and, and, and kind of recycling what I'm reading into what I'm thinking. Uh, but at the front of it, uh, you know, it's a quote, I think, um, I think it was Bruce Lee that said it. I can't remember which one it was, but it was, um, you know, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than to be a gardener in a war. Ah, yes. Um, and and I, I like to, I, I like to live my, my, my life that way because right underneath it, I have the big bad wolf is coming. Um, and, 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 and it's one of those things where, like you said, problems will arise and, and, and the biggest difference between individuals that are prepared, that purposely put themselves in tough situations is they have the exact same problems. I try to tell people this all the time. I, I have the same problems as somebody who has just got a life that's in shambles. We have the same problems. The difference is my problems don't affect me all day long. My problems hit me. I handle them and I move the fuck on. They yep. sit there and dwell on them and then they start to stack and they can't get rid of these problems and it affects them all day long. And then their day's shot. And then before you know it, your week's shot. And then before you know it, you're 40 years old and you don't know what the hell happened to you. <laughs> and you're fine. And you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Everything's fine. There's nothing to see here. You're fine. I'll take some Bro, medicine. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when you start to talk about like depression and this pisses a lot of people off when I say it. So, you know, I'm probably speaking the truth is right. Like you, you write down, I tell everybody, Hey, okay. So you're depressed. Yeah, I'm depressed. Okay, cool. So we're going to write down all your depressive thoughts from literally from the moment you wake up, I want you to text me every one of them. And then you're going to write it down. We're going to write it down. And at the end of the day, you're going to read, you're going to have somebody else read it to you. You know what the root cause of depression is? Selfishness. I can't do this. I can't go here. I don't have this. I don't have that. If you feel that you are depressed and you're listening to this, I want you to spend tomorrow in the service of other people all day. I want you to go to the homeless shelter. I want you to start handing out meals. I want you to go to the kids shelter. I want you to put the lunch bags together that they get for lunch. I want you to go to the nearest hospital and see if you can volunteer to see all the kids that are coming in, the thousand kids that are homeless in your city right now that don't have a place to go, a food to eat, a bed to sleep in, don't talk to me about your depression. You're talking to me about your first world problems and they're all up here in this computer, all of them. That's where they start. I'll tell you a story. I'll go on a, on a, a little tangent. Everybody loves a good prison story. So I've got a decade worth of them. And for me, I like the people who understand where they've come from, where they're going, what they need to do, what they want to do, that deep water, those dark stories. So this morning, and it is on the top of my mind, this morning I was inside and I was on a yard that has um, males and females on that yard. And so I was going down to this education unit and uh, the education officer who works for the Department of Corrections, 
she takes me down to that unit and she says, all right, we're going to go get the ladies and uh, just, you know, hang out here. So one of the gals came around the corner and she said, Hey, I've heard your story. I've seen your story. Can I talk to you? I said, yeah, of course, you know, let's, what do you want to talk about? And so she started to articulate some of her troubles that she was having. And, and she said, you know, I don't want to just complain about my story. I want to let you know that I feel so many pieces of your curriculum would benefit us, but they're really just for the women. They're, they're really just for the men. And I said, oh, yeah, a valid point. I really appreciate your insight. And she said, you know, so many of the women that come in here, I'm able to empathize with them because I understand what they've gone through. And at the age of 15, I became a single mother. I said, wow, that had to be pretty tough, right? And she said, it was pretty tough. But at the age of 17, I became a second single mother. I said, wow, that's wild. And she said, it, it, it really made me grow up and I had to make some tough choices. One of my tough choices was I had to leave the father of those two children. He was an addict and he had done some things to me physically and had caused me to become an addict myself. She said, and in the process of me getting clean, I was putting my kids in part-time daycare through the state organizations and I was trying to get part-time jobs. And I was still sleeping in my car because I didn't have any help from my father of the children and my family lived in another state. And she said one night, she said, I just wanted the car to be warm. <clears throat> and the car caught on fire. And she had her two babies in that car in the back seat, and she was only able, I didn't think it was going to make me emotional. She was only able to get her son out, and her daughter died in that car. She got a 50-year sentence for that. So as I stood across from this woman, literally just decimated. I've got a decade of prison stories. I've been to every hardcore prison on the planet. I met every gangster, every criminal. And this 35 year old woman who'd been there for about 17 years, every single morning she woke up and thought about that child, about those decisions. And while I was grateful for her to share that story with me, it comes full circle to your mission to the shepherds of men, to what you and I believe in. If that guy that got her pregnant would have stepped up to the plate and would have been a father and would have been a husband, at minimum, better role model, that baby would have been alive. That's right. That's the brevity that I take away from my time that I spend on that side of the fence. Most of the decisions in life that are poor, that lead to the, the hurt and the pain of other people, come back to a man who does not understand his purpose and his role here on this planet, who takes his identity for granted, who feels entitled based on his lot in life. And it is my goal and your goal, I know, to change that narrative and to show the world that it is our obligation to be great to be great men, to be great husbands, to be great spouses, to be great fathers, to be great role models to everyone in the community because we chose this obligation as a man. Man, that's, that's heavy. Um, man. <clears throat> I, uh, I was doing good. Uh, I was doing good there for a minute. <laughs> and then, and then I wasn't, and you know, what's, what's crazy. And, and I hope this doesn't, sound insensitive you're telling the story about the um her losing one of the children and obviously that's devastating sad um but where the it's doing it again where the emotion really welled up for me was when you started talking about if the man mm -hmm. had just played the role and i think the reason that it wells up there for me is because i understand how important this work is you know because the loss of the child is, is horrific. Um, right. but the, um, when we get the men, right, we get the world, right. And it's literally a life or death 
you know, it literally, it's really that important, you know, it's, it's that important. It's, it's, it's not just changes lives, but it saves lives. Yeah. So oh, man, thank you. Oh. Thank you for sharing that in a way and screw yeah. you for sharing that in another way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you think about it. I mean, we're, we're not, we're not in a great place uh, as we are today with the, the, you know, single parent households and, and men that are not existing in their kids' lives. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's staggering. I mean, especially when you take it into certain, certain groups, um, you know, it, it's, it's just mind blowing to me, um, you know, how many single mothers are out there. And, and I'll tell you what was a real eye opener for, for Cam and I, uh, was of all the listeners that we have, I think our split is like 60, 40 last wow. time we checked of women and men. Yeah. And oh. it, it, it was, and, and what's, what's crazy is a lot of the women that we've spoke to have they're either raising a son and they're mm. trying to figure out how to do it themselves uh which is bullshit uh but good for them you know for doing that i didn't have a dad growing up uh my, my dad wasn't around but um you know good for them for doing that and then the other ones you know maybe had issues with their father that they're trying to get over um you know and listening to what we're talking about and stuff like that is you know there was a certain purpose that, that, that individual did not fill, but that doesn't have to be their identity. They don't have to identify by their dad's bad choices and things of that nature. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty eye opening how many women like just want men to step the hell up. Oh my gosh. Like, so I was going to say there was a third one that we've gotten a few times, which is, I wish my husband would listen to this. Well, and that too. And I, I, I which is, yeah. which is, you know, gosh, you just want to go shake the, shit out of that dude yeah like your wife is begging you to be a man she's literally begging you because she understands how important it is she's asking you to lead her yeah and, and you're not like how much more could like there's so many dudes that are you know like they're not they're afraid to lead or whatever maybe i shouldn't be that way to my wife or what that way whatever the hell that means but she's literally begging she's like going seeking out resources for you to lead her and her and your family um yeah. by god just do it, man. Like, and if you're a woman and you are listening to this and you fall in any of those categories, well, God bless you. Number one, for yeah. trying to do something about it. Um, reach out to us and I'm sure Travis as well. Uh, if there's any way that we can help. And, um, I don't know how to tell you to go about it the right way, but maybe just, uh, put this on every playlist on Spotify that your husband has. And maybe eventually the shit starts sinking in. I don't know. <laughs> Listen to it in the car. Every time y'all go somewhere. There you go. There you go. So it's time to step up. It really is time to step up. It really, really is now more than ever, uh, philosophically world perspective, you know, however you want to call it, it is now more than ever time for men to step up and to really start to sow the seeds mm -hmm. of greatness. Yep. Yeah. And I think on the, on the flip side of that, you know, um, so, some men just need permission. Like some men have just been waiting for permission from somebody to say, Hey dude, it's okay to be an alpha male. Yeah. Like it's okay to get out there and lead your family. It's okay to be, you know, a driving factor in your community and yeah. stuff like that. Like you don't have to take a back seat because society tells you that because you're masculine, you're toxic. Like that's oh, bullshit. God. That's, that's bullshit. And all that is, is, is propaganda. And some of it has been driven by men that are not truly masculine, that, that men have that all kinds of insecurities and decide to beat on their wives and come home and crack a beer and tell her to you know smack her on the ass and tell her to go get dinner ready and stuff like that. Like that's, that's not toxic masculinity. That's an insecure little boy stuck in a grown yes. man's body. Yes. Thank you. Yes. 1000%. No, I agree with you. I agree with you a thousand percent. The, uh, though, man, I, I tell my wife, you know, while I was incarcerated for 15 months, you know, I told my wife, I'm, I'm so grateful that I had 15 months because we have family members and friends who have a life sentence of misery with their spouse. Mm. Mm. Ouch. Yeah, that one, that one stings. <laughs> stings. Yeah, that cuts deep right there, doesn't it? <laughs> deep right there. But it's so true. And I, I'm telling you. I do. I, I hope that the message can help people that are out there. Like you said, you know, I am a product of a, of a single mother, you know, of a divorced household, of a drug, drug addicted father. You know, I have every reason to be on tomorrow's episode of, you know, Jerry Springer. But, you know, it, instead, I choose that, you know, I'm going to lead this household. We are going to rewrite the narrative and we're going to give everybody out there the same opportunity. And 
and that's what I'm grateful to have done with you guys today. So I can't thank you enough. Hey, thank you so much for being on here. I mean, honestly, this is so much more than I even expected. I had a high expectation. Um, so I, I know everybody, I, I'm so glad when we have these conversations and they're recorded and you understand that like my kids will get to listen to this at some point, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's so important. It's just, um, I love it. I love it. So, um, for those that aren't following you currently on social media or tell us how to get in touch with you or how to follow you or whatever, how to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Travis Ritchie, R-I-C-H-E-Y. My Instagram is probably the simplest way to get a hold of me it's at i am travis ritchie um and then if you you know if you are a single mom that does need the help if you're if you're a married mom that needs the help with your quote-unquote fifth child who's really you know you inherited from your mother-in-law who shouldn't be your fifth child but is supposed to be your husband uh we're more than happy to help you out there and um you know in in, in anywhere in between i say that tongue-in-cheek but you know, there is a lot of good men out there that just need a good role model or good mentor, or somebody to really hold them accountable. And so um, my partner, Sean, and I are happy to help you at convictedmindset.com. Awesome, man. And I will say this because um, I like to get it recorded as well. As we do these high carbon experiences, Yaki's already got uh, wrangled into this. Uh, we're going to have some some people in that we believe in and that we have the same values as and, and you know, um, that believe in the everything that you're talking about. So as we do that, uh, we would love to have you come in to one of those events and talk uh, to our guys and uh, uh, and just pour out like you've done tonight. It's been awesome. Done, done and done. Yeah. And, and, and likewise, it'll be interesting. We'll have to chat. I have a an event in uh, in Boise, Idaho on June 4th. Uh, where we're putting together a thousand family members uh, from a justice impacted perspective, um, really trying to change the narrative. It'll be the first time a conference has ever been piped back into the prison system. And uh, it'll be it'll be pretty magical. So I would love to chop it up more about that and see where you guys could help. Yeah, right sure, on, man. man. Right on. We're all in. Anywhere we can be an asset. Likewise. Yeah. Appreciate you, brother. Um, guys, check this out. Uh, you can follow where uh, I am, Travis Ritchie, uh, obviously at Shepherds Men for our stuff. Again, keep your eye open and ear open for the High Carbon Experience one coming up April 9th as of this recording. And we will see you soon. You've been a part of the movement.